Welcome to East Texas News Roundup for the week ending October the 11th, 2019. East Texas News Roundup is a weekly review of the news in five southeast Texas counties covered by Polk County Publishing Company newspapers, including Tyler, Polk, Trinity, San Jacinto, and Houston counties by the editors of those five newspapers. Polk County Enterprise Editor Valerie Riddell kicks off this week's podcast. Hey folks, this is Valerie Riddell. I'm the editor of the San Jacinto News Times and the Polk County Enterprise. Welcome to fall in both those counties. It looks like we're finally going to get a little autumn weather, so it ought to be, what, four or five days before we're back in the 90s. In this week's print edition, we talk about how the healthy economy right now is not translating down to our youngest neighbors. Despite the low unemployment and excellent news in other parts of the economy, We're still seeing children who are struggling with food insecurity and no health care and things like that. So there's a little uh, some economic data that talks about how our young folks are falling behind economically, makes it harder for them to compete in the marketplace as they get older. We've got some photos from the Spirit Ride that had tons of folks come out to Livingston High School and participate in a fundraiser for Crime Stoppers. We have a story about the man who has now been termed the United States' most prolific serial killer. The FBI has released some audio interviews of this man, Samuel Little, speaking with a Texas Ranger in hopes that folks all over the country can help identify a handful of women who they have found their bodies and Little has made credible confessions to them. They're just trying to identify them. So if you want to check that out, it's got links to the website where you can go and see him speaking about those women and he has sketched them. But everybody knows somebody who knows somebody and we hope we can reconnect with the families who have lost loved ones and don't know what happened to them. Over in San Jacinto County this weekend, the St. Jude's Hospital Benefit is going to be held right there at Browder's Marina. There's a kids color fun run at one o'clock on Saturday. They're having a cook-off and teams are going to be setting up there Friday afternoon and evening. So Saturday they ought to be plenty of good things to eat, fun activities for the families, food in a live auction, and live entertainment. So head on out to Browder's Saturday afternoon into the evening for some family fun that helps families that have kids fighting cancer. Also in San Jacinto County we had hundreds of folks turn out to the Cold Springs shelter last Saturday for the annual garage sale benefiting the Cold Spring Library. Also last Friday we crowned the homecoming king and queen for Cold Spring Oakhurst High School. Jeremy Harden is the king and Andy Seagraves was named the homecoming queen and we've got the full game story in the October 10th edition of the News Times. We've got a full page of news from Shepherd ISD. They are talking about yearbooks and seniors. Important information for seniors at Shepherd to get ready for their senior trip and taking the SAT or ACT to get ready for college. The FFA Ag Mechanics and Construction Management Teams won Grand Champion, Best of Show, and Reserve Champion ribbons at the San Jacinto Fair. Next week, we will have photos of all of the kids who went through the auction and a few that didn't. So that's one print edition you're not going to want to miss 
It's got all those kids with their animals or educational projects. The first district matchup for Shepherd was a tough game. The Pirates were just edged out by Hampshire Finette 15 to 8 last Friday. This week they're going to take on Jasper at 7:30 here at home. The Cold Spring Trojans win a big game over Franklin and they're setting their sights on Dieball Friday night. You're going to want to keep an eye on Yvonne Cohn's column about the chamber. There's a scavenger hunt dog costume contest coming up. There's going to be the Haunted Jail weekend coming up, so you won't want to miss any of those fun fall events. Back on the north side of the lake, the Polk County Commissioners have took the final steps in appointing Ray Myers to handle duties for the Precinct 3 Constable's Office until election time. They did approve him adding one Deputy Constable from the Precinct 3 Office, Richard Delaney. He's been in Polk County law enforcement for many years, so he will help handle courtroom activities and papers that need to be served in Precinct 4. The community calendar for Polk County is just loaded with events. You want to check that out and make sure you don't miss something. Big Sandy held a very big See You at the Pole event from September and on their Wildcat News page in the Thursday the 10th paper, it's got photos and all the deals about what's going on with their horticulture teams and some kids in Wildlife Day and Natisha Warren was named Teacher of the Month for September along with Jacob Manshack was the Big Sandy High School Student of the Month for September. So that's kind of a wrap up of the print news for the 10th. We're getting ready to send out the Sunday paper for the Polk County Enterprise. Lots of big news there from the Onalaska, Goodrich, and Livingston City Councils. We've got Shepherd City Council coming out, so don't want to miss a thing. We'll see you next week. Before I get to the front page news in this week's Houston County Courier, I have a breaking news story that we learned about Wednesday after the paper had already gone to press uh, and been distributed. That story is about a two-month-old child who was fatally injured in Crockett and his parents charged with capital murder and arrested in Houston. The child was injured in Crockett but died at a Houston hospital after being taken there after allegedly being physically abused by his parents in Crockett. The child's parents, 23-year-old Ashton Sesum and 22-year-old Natalia Kamari Wilson, were being held on $1 million preset bonds in Houston County after being taken into custody in Houston Tuesday. According to Police Chief Clayton Smith of Crockett, the couple recently moved to Crockett from Houston with the child. On September 30th, Smith reported that police were notified of a vehicle reportedly heading to Crockett Medical Center with the child who was unresponsive. Police officers went to the hospital to investigate and learned that the hospital staff were able to resuscitate the child, but the child was in critical condition and was not likely to survive. The child was transported to a Houston Children's Hospital. Then, October 4th, Crockett police were notified that the infant had died as a result of his injuries, and the preliminary cause of death was abusive head trauma. The results of an autopsy conducted at the Harris County Medical Examiner's Office are pending at this time. Meanwhile, the child's parents were charged and arrested in Houston and transported to Crockett. Smith reported that the parents earlier did not provide an explanation as to how their child sustained traumatic injuries, but Sesum ultimately admitted to violently dropping the child on one occasion and violently shaking him on a second occasion. 
Crockett Hospital staff members earlier reported that the newborn suffered numerous critical internal injuries, a traumatic brain injury, and multiple fractured bones and ribs. Detectives met with members of a child abuse team who confirmed that the injuries were consistent with abuse and no other causes of his injuries were indicated. The arrest of Sesum and Wilson took place Wednesday, October 8th. For more information on this physical, emotional, spiritual, and psychological series of events, see our story in the Thursday, October the 17th edition of The Courier. Now to the front page news in this week's Thursday, October 10th issue of the paper. Our lead story is part one of a two-part series about a candidate forum for the candidates for Houston County Sheriff in the 2020 county election. The forum was held Thursday, October 3rd, and we present a story and photos of the three Republican candidates. The candidates are Randy Hargrove, a criminal investigator with the Houston County District Attorney's Office who has 22 years of experience as a Texas peace officer, John Coteau, a volunteer reserve deputy with the Houston County Precinct 1 Constable's Office who has 30-plus years of progressive law enforcement experience, and Ryan Morton, a sergeant investigator assigned to the Houston County Sheriff's Office's Criminal Investigations Division who has been a member of the Sheriff's Office since 2003. These candidates had the opportunity to introduce themselves and answer questions posed by residents of Houston County during the forum. In another story on page 1A, we tell about a Grofton aggravated bank robbery suspect from Trinity County who turned himself into authorities in Crockett in Houston County. Heath Edward Bumpers, 30, turned himself in at the Houston County Courthouse in Crockett last Friday, October 4th, following a robbery at Citizen State Bank in Grofton. In the robbery, he allegedly approached a teller at the bank and demanded cash while admitting that he had a weapon. Bumpers allegedly fled in a gray Ford Focus and drove toward Oregon down dirt roads before turning around to head to Crockett. While fleeing the robbery scene, Bumpers reportedly received a phone call from his fiancée who saw his surveillance camera photo on Facebook and urged him to turn himself in to authorities. Bumpers allegedly complied with his fiancée's request and turned himself in to Houston County authorities. He reportedly told authorities he committed the robbery to obtain money to pay for his fiancé's wedding ring in their planned wedding venue. The wedding was to take place the day after the robbery. On the brighter side, we have a story beginning on the front page about this year's reunion of the Crockett High School Class of 1972. We tell its reunion at Lacey Retreat off FM 2915, southwest of Love Lady, last weekend. It was the 47th year reunion of the class. A good time was had by all. In addition, on page 1A, we have a photo with cut lines showing the Love Lady Homecoming Queen and her court. The 2019 Love Lady Homecoming Queen is Bailey Granberry. Her court includes Junior Princess Sophia Braginski, Sophomore Princess Jada Johnson, and Freshman Princess Jacqueline Thomas. The photo was taken at the Love Lady High School football game, uh, homecoming football game that is, last Friday night, October 4th. The Lovelady Lions shut out the Commonwealth Bulldogs with a score of 51 to 0 in the Lions' homecoming game. Now, a second front page photo and cut line are about a ribbon cutting Tuesday afternoon at Crockett Medical Center. The photo shows the medical center's co founder, co owner, and chairman, Dr. Kelly Shimmelin, and the hospital's radiology department head 
color burdette cutting the ribbon. The ribbon cutting officially recognized the receipt of a state-of-the-art mammogram machine by the hospital and celebrated Breast Cancer Awareness Month, which is the month of October. The event held in the hospital's main lobby was well attended by hospital employees, supporters, and others. Now turning to athletic news, the county's high school football news, Korea sports editor Larry Lamb has another blockbuster sports section. Larry leads off with a recap of the district matchup of the Crockett Bulldogs against the unbeaten and state-ranked Dyball Lumberjacks last Friday, October 4th. The Crockett team kept the Dyball team within reach for most of the first half of the District 11-3A game in Crockett, Larry reports, but the Lumberjacks surged ahead in the last 30 seconds of the first half and in the second half, defeating the Bulldogs 43-10. to the Crockett Bulldogs now have three wins and two losses on the season. This Friday night, October 11th, they will take a break from their district schedule for a road game against the Tomball Christian Home School Warriors. The starting kickoff is scheduled for 7 p.m. at Rose Hill Christian Schools Eagle Stadium our former road 2920 in Tomball. Now, in the Grapeland-Sanders matchup with the Burkeville Mustangs, the Grapeland team scored early and often, according to writer Kurt Allen. Kurt notes that the Sandys fans barely reached their seats before they had reason to cheer at the beginning of the game, and they barely had time to get snacks before their team put more points on the board. By halftime, the game had essentially been decided, Kurt reports. He writes, the Sanders used a high-octane running attack to stifle Burkeville early and often, and Grapeland came away with a 45-22 victory. The Grapeland Sanders would travel to Commonwealth this week, Friday, October 11th. As noted earlier, the Lovelady Lions defeated Commonwealth Bulldogs 51-0 at Lovelady's homecoming last Friday. According to writer Lawana Monk, Lovelady took advantage of numerous Commonwealth miscues to rump past the Commonell team in a shutout. This week, Lovelady's Lions are on a bye week. That's all we have for now. We'll see you next week. The big story this week in Trinity County was a bank robbery that took place at Citizens State Bank in Groveton. The suspect, 30-year-old Heath Edward Bumpus of Crockett, went to Citizens State Bank at approximately 11.30 a.m. last Friday. He demanded cash and said that he had a weapon. He then took off in a gray Ford Focus and drove toward Corrigan down dirt roads before turning around to head to Crockett. During the process of his journey, he received a call from his fiance, whom he was supposed to marry the following day, and she saw surveillance pictures of him on social media and urged him to turn himself in. After a conversation, Bumpus eventually complied to his fiance's request, drove to the Houston County Courthouse in Crockett, and turned himself in. During confessions, Bumpus made a shocking revelation to law enforcement as he admitted to robbing the bank to pay for his fiance's wedding ring and the wedding venue the following day. Instead of getting married last Saturday, he was in the custody of the Trinity County Sheriff's Office on a charge of aggravated robbery. And it is not known as a press time as he has been released. And speaking of Groveton, the Groveton Community Association is hosting its inaugural pumpkin patch on October 18th through October 20th. Friday, October 18th, the pumpkin patch will take place from 1 to 6 p.m. On Saturday, October 19th, it goes on from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. And on Sunday, October 20th, the pumpkin patch resumes from 1 to 6 p.m. Pumpkins are $5 each and photos will be taken. Trinity County Judge Doug Page spoke on the aftermath of Tropical Storm Imelda. Fortunately for the county,
County, the only damage, if you would even call it that, was rainfall. The rainfall was not so heavy that there was flooding, however, but there was enough rainfall to lift the countywide burn ban that was implemented back in August. The burn ban was lifted on September 18th, and Judge Page considers himself in Trinity County to be blessed that there was no flooding and there was no need for emergency evacuations or anything of that manner as some of the counties on the Gulf Coast experienced. And Apple Springs and Hudson have a feature on themselves. Hudson is located 10 miles east of Apple Springs in Angelina County, and Hudson has a band and a drill team, but no football team. Apple Springs has a football team, but no band or drill team. Off and on since the 1980s, the Hudson band and drill team have performed at Apple Springs football games. And this story features commentary from Apple Springs superintendent slash football coach Dr. Cody Morey and Hudson band director Stephen Brown. And speaking of Apple Springs, congratulations to junior Emily Brister. She was crowned Apple Springs homecoming sweetheart last Friday when the Eagles took on Fort Worth Thesa. Brister ran against senior Sarela Lee and sophomore Nevea Hernandez and freshman Cami LeBlanc. And the Apple Springs Eagles were victorious on homecoming night with a 22-6 victory against Fort Worth Thesa. It was a 6-6 tie at halftime and throughout the third quarter until the Eagles took the lead with a safety 8-6. In the final three minutes, Jacob Freeman returned an interception for a touchdown and Colin Spencer recovered a fumble in the end zone to put the game away. And City of Trinity City Manager Steve Jones talks about the Trinity Community Fair that took place two weeks ago and the budget for the 2019-2020 fiscal year. Jones said that the fair often brings in a lot of people who and a lot of new people and vendors every year and it helps businesses in the area promote themselves. He also said that tractor supply is coming to Trinity in 2020. There's no exact date for when tractor supply is coming but the tax rate for the city of Trinity is 65 cents per hundred dollar valuation and the budget is 3.2 million dollars. Howdy, everybody. Chris Edwards here coming at you, bringing you the news of Tyler County, taken from this week's edition of the Tyler County Booster. So, fair time in Tyler County is, is now a thing in the rear view. Last Saturday marked the final day of the Tyler County Fair, and as tradition goes, the, in this week's edition of the paper, we have a special fair wrap-up section that highlights everybody's animals, everybody's home ec projects and art projects and things like that that were auctioned off or placed in the fair. And Jacob Spivey, who's our extension agent here in Tyler County, he wrote the wrap-up story about the fair. And this year was a very successful year in all with the livestock auction as well as all the home ec projects and things. The youth of Tyler County were able to raise $319,000 with all of their combined projects. And so good job to all of the young people of the county who participated and the grand champion steer this year belonged to uh, Kayla Hassig, a member of Woodville FFA, and the steer fetched $14,000 on Saturday night. So great job to Kayla and everyone else who participated in the Tyler County Fair this year. So on to some other news. Last week, Sheriff Brian Weatherford announced 
announced that they had made some arrests due to non-compliance of uh, sex offenders in Tyler County. So everyone who's convicted of a sex crime is required by the counties that they reside in to provide information to their local law enforcement agency where they live and so forth. And their information is publicly displayed on a database that's hosted by the Texas Department of Public Safety. Well, there's also check-ins and things like that depending on the conditions of the person's parole or probation. Well, there were two Tyler County residents a Gary Lamar Alexander of Warren and Justin Taylor James of Woodville, who were not in compliance with these regulations. And Sheriff Brian Weatherford issued warrants for their arrests, and they were arrested for noncompliance. To anyone in Tyler County who's been convicted of such crimes, it's state law to comply with the requirements, uh, whatever they might be. So out in the south end of the county, in Ivanhoe, we have a candidate forum scheduled for this Saturday, October the 12th. There are three positions that are up for grabs on the city council there, and those three incumbents, along with four challengers for those positions, will be on hand Saturday morning, starting at 11 o'clock at the Ivanhoe Community Center, to answer questions. People get to supply them with questions. Judge Judith Haney is going to moderate the event and draw questions randomly and ask each candidate two questions, and that allows the public a chance to get to know the candidates a bit and where they stand on certain issues, so it should be a good event, and all all residents are encouraged to come on out and get to know who's putting their name in the hat for public office in the coming election. On to the other side of the county, we have a story from Chester City Council. They met Monday evening, and Mayor Floyd Petrie brought up the National Incident Management System training. He's been working on getting a few of the city council members certified for this line of training, and he gave out some information on how anyone who was interested could sign up and take part in it. And according to Mayor Petrie, this type of training would aid the city in an emergency and help the city coordinate with the county emergency services. It's pretty broad in scope and has many modules for a host of positions. The introductory course acquaints participants with the concepts and principles of the National Response Framework, and it helps to expedite communication between all of the various entities involved in crisis management. So, very good for the city of Chester. You don't want any crises to happen, whether it be a natural disaster or or whatever, uh, but you have to prepare for the worst. So good on the city of Chester for seeing to that and getting some people trained. So again, this week, if you happen to grab a copy of the Tyler County Booster, we have our annual fair wrap-up section, as well as all the other usual local news and events and schedules for sporting events and things like that. And in this issue, with all of the issues we put out, we have a special feature page. It's usually a, devoted to a single topic, but sometimes we mix it up with few things from around the county. But the Dogwood Country Living section this week, Maureen Peltier, who's been doing some writing for us and is a member of the Heritage Society, has been writing a series of articles from Texas history, and the one she wrote this week is part one of two. This one this week I thought was really fascinating was focused on Susanna Dickinson, who's known as the Messenger of the Alamo, and next week she's going to be writing one about the runaway scrape, but it's a pretty in-depth piece about Susanna Dickinson, who is fairly obscure in the annals of Texas history. She's not one of the names that comes up for a lot of people, but she played a particularly significant role in the fight for Texas independence, and, and if you get a chance to pick up 
the booster, you can read all about her. And she was only 22 years old at the time that period in our history was going on. And she was one of the few survivors of the Siege of the Alamo that happened back in March the 6th of 1836. Maureen, the author of the article, went to Susanna's house in Austin, and which is now a museum, and took some great photos to flesh out the article. And so, yeah, and also the way this ties in locally... Um, we have the Harvest Festival coming up next weekend at Heritage Village, and it's going to begin on Thursday this year, uh, the, the 17th. And there are a couple of men, Donnelly E. Bryce, who's a historian, and Fletcher Clark, who is a singer-songwriter, who will be presenting a joint performance-slash-lecture that's going to be one in, of many in a series that's being planned out at the village. And Fletcher is going to play some songs that he wrote from the vantage point of Susanna Dickinson. And Professor Bryce, I think he used to be a professor at UT and now writes historical texts is going to be talking about the runaway scrapes. So that should be an interesting experience for anybody looking to get some history and a little uh, entertainment at the same time. It's going to be at 6 o'clock on Thursday, October the 17th, and you can pick up your tickets for that event here at the Booster Office or at Sullivan's next door or at the Village itself. I guess that's about it for hitting the highlights of a few things going on. As always, have a great weekend and a productive and a fun weekend. I hope you've had a very productive week and found some fun where you can. So everybody be good to one another and be careful out there. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. Mm